say amen like you really mean it. Won't you grab the hand of the person standing to the left and to the right of you as we go to God in prayer. God, here we are again on a Tuesday night. God, we have pressed our way into your house. God, after working or after fighting traffic, after picking up kids, after doing homework, God, we've pressed our way into your house tonight, God, because we really need to hear another word from you. And so, God, we, some have come, God, from Great Lymphs, from Pembroke Pines and Miramar and Miami Lakes and Sunrise, God, and uh, Miami Gardens, God, here to this place called the fountain to take a dip in the fountain tonight, God. We thank you, God, for the relationship, God. We thank you, God, for the great and wonderful, marvelous things that Pastor Lomax uh, and Sister Lomax are leading this church, God. God, we thank you, God, for the people of the Fountain Church. God, I thank you for the people of the Mount Hermon Church, God. I thank you for their sacrifices, their commitment, their faithfulness to you and to your church. Now, God, I ask that you give me a new, fresh anointing. Have me not to rely on Sunday morning's anointing, but give me a new, fresh anointing that yokes might be destroyed, burdens might be lifted, strongholds may be torn down, God, that someone won't leave like they came in Jesus' name. And all those who love the Lord said amen. Won't you find about three people around you and just say good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. Find about three people. Yeah, re really find somebody you don't know. Don't talk to the people you always speak to. Go speak to somebody all the way on the other side of church. Just say good evening, good evening. Tell them God loves you and so do I. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Uh, amen. Don't, don't you look, don't you feel better now? Amen, amen. My, my brothers and my sisters, I counted another privilege and honor to be here at the Fountain Church. Uh, thank and praise God for a man of God. And I got to be honest with you, it's not too many people who inspire me to be better persons and to be better preachers and be a better pastor. And the, the fountain, your pastor, does that for me. I want you to know stewards and, and, and uh, stewards and trustees, I want you to know it's his fault that we get up and pray 6.30 Monday through Friday. <laughs> Because I found out that the Fountain Church was praying not only uh, in the morning, but was praying at night. Somebody ought to say amen. And uh, I told Pastor uh, Lomax that there are AME churches all over the country now praying because the Fountain started praying and we found out about it. So I want to praise God for the Fountain Church. Um, uh, I, I look forward to our uh, breakfasts every once a month and I praise God for the relationships and the friendship uh, that have been developed and I praise God for what the Lord is moving and how the Lord is moving here at the Fountain Church. I praise God for the ministerial staff, Pastor Taylor who comes uh, just like Pastor Lomax and preaches to us every year. I praise God for him uh, and for our relationship as well. I want to thank and uh, praise God for the great people of the Mount Hermon Church that even went home and changed clothes and uh, put their ushers' uniforms on. Praise God for usher ministry number two. Um, praise God for them. Y'all can, can sit on down. I know 
Y'all, Sister, Sister Stewart, y'all been working hard all day. So y'all sit on down. Brother Trent, Sister Trent, y'all, y'all been home chilling because y'all retired. So praise God uh, for y'all. But y'all go ahead and sit on down. Uh, my brothers and my sisters, I thank you all for coming and for sharing. Uh, our CPR group is going to be coming over. Our sister's Bible study is going to be coming over. I want to praise God for the praise team. Praise God for them. Praise God for the musicians. Praise God for them. Uh, And praise God for the leadership fellowship, our ministerial staff, our leadership, our fellowship, and the fellowship of the Mount Hermon Church. There is a word from the Lord uh, tonight found in the book of Romans, chapter 12. My assignment tonight, Pastor Lomax, is we're talking about back to the basics. And so Romans chapter 12. I want to lift up verses 9, 10, 11, and 12 in your hearing. Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 9 through 12. Listen to the word from the Lord. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I want to put a tag on this text for our preaching this evening. I want to simply talk about radical. Won't you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh neighbor, radical. Praise God for Sister Lomax. She um, uh, canceled our uh, breakfast meeting last week because he was hanging out with her. Uh, so I praise God for Sister Lomax and her sweet, sweet spirit. Somebody ought to say amen. Uh, praise God that uh, Pastor has good sense when he needs to hang out with Sister Lomax. He can hang out with us anytime. Somebody ought to say amen. I want to talk about radical. Notice, if you will, immediately following let love be genuine or sincere in the text. Uh, Some passages says, hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And so, church, being radical is not just about being nice to people, but being radical is acting in ways that help people experience more of God's goodness. Church, radical means that we regard evil with horror. Or avoid what is evil. And church, the saints must always hate what is evil. That means when folks are treating folks wrong, hate is a strong word, but it's the word that Paul uses here in our passage about how we, how we need to be against evil. And that means all of the isms, sexism, racism, classism, ageism, and any other ism that is evil. Anything that is not about lifting up humanity, anything that is about putting people down, anything that is about holding people back, anything that is about keeping people down, anything that is not about edifying or empowering, but about downing and dissing is evil. And Paul is telling us tonight to hate it. But it doesn't just stop there. He goes on to say, cling to what is good. Cling simply means to join together or to attach or to glue together in Greek. Our four-year-old Trey loves what he calls sticky tape. 
And when we were moving, we had boxes everywhere, and we allowed him to tear off pieces of, of tape and stick the tape anywhere he wanted on the boxes. And, and I asked him, I said, Trey, why do you like sticky, sticky tape so much? Uh, he simply said, I like to see it stick to stuff. My brothers and my sisters, that all the text is telling us tonight, huh, that we need to stick to what is good. Huh, attach ourselves to what is good. And that means I don't want to hang out with folks huh, who that all they do all day is talk about other folks. I, I don't want to hang out with folks huh, who all they do is do the same things they've always done. I don't want to hang out with folks huh, who their entire vocabulary is a pity party. Woe is me. Woe is this. And woe is that. But I, but I want to attach myself huh, to what is good. I want to attach myself huh, to folks that are trying to do something to make this world a better place. I want to stick with folks huh, that understand that being radical means going above and beyond huh, to care for the needy and not just the greedy. Huh, to look out for the left behind, to help the homeless and to bless the broken. Huh, and maybe there's somebody else in the house tonight huh, that wants people to see them glued to good, that wants to hear good, huh, that wants to see good, that wants to speak good, huh, that wants to listen good, that wants to watch good. Uh, and wants to share good. I, I mean that wants to serve good, uh, to live good, to talk good, to walk good, to learn good and work good. I, I mean, do I have anyone in the house that wants to just stick with good? I, I want you to see something else in this text. Pastor Lomax, which is radical, and it's right there in the 10th verse. It simply means show an example in Greek. Huh? We must show the world what a Christian looks like and it's simply by being devoted to one another in love. Huh? We need to understand that we are spiritual family with a bond to remain in tender affection toward each other because of what Jesus huh, has already done for us. Huh? The world is looking at how we treat each other and based on how we treat each other in here huh, and how we treat them out there huh? will determine if they want to be a part of us in here. Huh? And I need someone to hear me tonight. Huh? They want us to show an example of real relationships, huh? not based on superficial things, but genuine care and support and love for one another. Huh? The text goes on to say, honor one another above yourselves. Huh? Pastor Taylor, I like the Phillips, Phillips translation huh? that says, be willing to let other people have the credit. I, I really love to watch TV, y'all, and one of my favorite TV shows uh, is Friday Night Lights. Uh, it's about a high, it's a show about a high school football team uh, and their ups and downs. And well, in one of the episodes, the quarterback was being interviewed after a big win, uh, and they won over their arch rival. And all he talked about in the interview was, "I did this and I did that." Uh, he never mentioned how the linemen block. He never mentioned how the receivers caught the passes. Uh, he never mentioned how the coaches called the right plays. He never mentioned how the defense uh, gave them a lot of opportunities. He never mentioned how the special teams uh, gave them good field position. All he talked about was I ran uh, and I threw touchdowns. Uh, well, church, there is a sign posted uh, that says there is no limit to the good that a person can do uh, if they don't care who 
gets the credit? And what would happen if we didn't care who got the credit? What would happen if we didn't care whose name was called and who was in charge? What would happen if we didn't care who was in the front and who was in the back? What would happen if we didn't care whose name was listed as an officer? What would happen if we didn't care who was in front of the camera and who was in the back of the camera? What would happen if we didn't care who got the plaque, who got the recognition, who got the interview, who got the special seat, who got their picture taken? Maybe there's somebody in the house that doesn't care about any accolades or awards or applause, but just wants to serve this present age they're calling to fulfill. That just wants to help somebody as they pass along the way so that their living will not be in vain and not only knows that what you do for Christ will last. Do I have anyone in the house that just wants to be a servant and if there's some dishes that need to be washed at the church to advance the kingdom and if some paper needs to be picked up, if some elderly person needs to be visited, if some sick person needs to be encouraged, if some young person needs to be mentored, if some single needs to be assisted, if some sister needs to be embraced, if some brother needs to be pushed and some middle-aged person needs to be empowered. Do I have anyone in the house that's radical in their approach? Do I have anyone that has a Star Trek saint that want to go where no one else has gone before? Do I have any behind the scenes saints that just want to stay in the background to do what no one else wants to do? That doesn't mind getting their hands dirty? That doesn't mind sweating? That doesn't mind getting their clothes messed up to be a blessing to someone else? Do I have anyone who knows that I'm on the battlefield for my Lord that I promised him that I would serve him until I die? Do I have anyone in the house knows that serving the Lord will pay off after? Wow. Can I just post this on Facebook real quick, Trey? I'm convinced more than ever that we've been seduced by a skill seductress that has influenced authentic Christianity that has made it voiceless and powerless. Pastor Lomax, have we traded in what Jesus gave us? And what the people saw from us at Antioch over in the book of Acts when they called us Christians uh, by what they saw us do, not from what we had on, but for something that doesn't look anything like that Jesus said, look, look anything like what Jesus said or what Jesus did. Has the church been hijacked by an American dream where self reigns as king or queen uh, along with a dangerous tendency to misunderstand, minimize and manipulate the gospel uh, in order to accommodate our assumptions and desires. Have we downsized salvation? To simply checking off a box to get to God, yet we don't know how spiritually dead and eternally separated from God we really are. Has the church shrink wrapped the gospel presentation huh, to persuade folks to say or pray the right things back to us? Huh? Do we have a new generation huh, of church leaders huh, that have sold out Jesus for the American dream of prosperity and replaced Jesus with Santa Claus or the tooth fairy? Huh? Have we a form of what Jesus gave us that is rooted in false values and embraces a notion of me and mine? Huh? Has the church been kidnapped by terror? 
terrorist called selfishness, self-centeredness, self-absorption, self-interest, and self-righteousness? Have we been influenced by the idols of our own culture that pushes us to want more stuff, to have a bigger house, or to get a better car, along with buying stuff we don't need to impress folks we don't know, who don't like us anyway with money that we ain't even got? May I take the time to remind you that Paul was not speaking to irreligious atheists or non-believers in our text. Paul wasn't speaking to pagans or heathen Philistines. But Paul was speaking to devoutly religious people who thought they were in the kingdom of God. But were eternally shocked to find out that they weren't even on the road to the kingdom. My brothers and my sisters, I believe with every ounce of my being, Reverend Maria, that the Holy Spirit is targeting each of us to make us uncomfortable and to open our eyes and to wake us up to see that what we have stands in sharp contrast to what the Bible shows us about the person and the purpose of Jesus. An authentic faith, not an authentic faith, not a puffed up bourgeoisie, stuck up, no servanthood, no life, no energy, no joy, no praise, no worship, no discipleship, no fellowship, no stewardship that challenges us to exist examine our lives and then choose the temp, the lasting over the temporary. One word describes the kingdom of God. One word says what we need to do and that word is simply radical. Radical obedience. Radical faith. Radical praise. Radical worship. Radical giving. Radical prayer. And radical hospitality. Because we need to understand that Jesus was always about upsetting the apple cart. Jesus was always about being against the status quo. And Jesus was always about going against the grain. Have we turned Jesus into a nice middle class suburban American Jesus? A Jesus who is fine with nominal devotion, minimal sacrificial giving, marginal worship attendance, and token commitment that doesn't infringe on our comforts? Have we traded a suffering savior for a milli vanilla auto box Jesus who wants us to avoid dangerous extremes and who doesn't want us to change because he loves us just the way we are? May I take the time to remind you about our Jesus. Our Jesus said no one puts their hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Our Jesus went into the temple one day and turned the tables over because they turned the house of prayer into a den of robbers. Our Jesus looked down from an old rugged cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't know about you, but that sounds mighty radical to me. And maybe there's somebody in the house that wants a radical relationship with Jesus that can trust him even when you can't trace him, that can love him even when you don't know where he's leading you, that can follow him even when your faith is failing, that can believe in him even when you stand in need of a blessing, that can obey him even when you want to do something completely different, a radical relationship with Jesus that's willing to get out of the boat and walk on water while everybody else stays in the boat because they're too scared, a radical relationship with Jesus that knows that Jesus is so good, so satisfying, and so rewarding because our fullness is found in him and him alone. A radical relationship with Jesus that knows that our meaning is found in community and our life is found in the giving of ourselves. 
for the sake of others in the church among the lost and the poor and will not waste their life on stuff that's nothing to do with salvation eternity or getting people into heaven a radical relationship with Jesus that will not shrink though pressed by many a foe a radical relationship with Jesus that wants to experience him and delight in him a radical relationship that has nothing to do with how good the music is how padded the pews are how air conditioned the building is whether they got screens or choir is a close parking spot close to the building how the preacher looks but just wants to be close to him a radical relationship that knows that he's preparing you for something that you can't handle right now maybe there's somebody in the house that wants more than a superstitious prayer life a dose of church attendance and a little bit of bible but do I got one more person in the house that wants to be radical for Jesus that wants to pray more and praise more and serve more and worship more and give more and study more and meditate more and lead more and fast more I don't know about you but the Lord has been too good he's been too kind he's been too gracious for me not to give God the best that I have I don't know about you but if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side well Pay, pay, pay close attention to the text. Text tells us in the 11th verse, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Paul here is telling us, whatever we do, we ought to put our whole heart and soul into it. Pastor Taylor, one commentator said this way, work hard and never be lazy. That we can't have an attitude that seeks to get by with as little work and inconvenience as possible. And a warning against settling into being comfortable and shallow ruts in our lives. A radical person for the Lord, a spirit-filled believer, must be enthusiastic and on fire for the Lord. Not dull and boring. Not lifeless and lethargic. And just going through the motions. All Paul is trying to tell us is that we should allow ourselves to be set on fire by the Holy Ghost. Not depending on the praise team and the choir singing our favorite songs. Or singing us into a frenzy to entertain us. But when we come to church, we should have already asked the Holy Ghost to energize us and fire us up into Christian service. Because Jesus saved us for us to serve. We're not just here to have a seat, but we're here to serve and not be seen. And maybe there's somebody in the house tonight that doesn't need to be pumped up, doesn't need to be primed up, that doesn't need to be sung happy, that doesn't need their favorite song sung, doesn't need to hear their favorite soloist, doesn't need to be told to stand on their feet, lift up holy hands and worship God, but woke up this morning knowing that this is the day that the Lord has made and they're going to rejoice and be glad in that woke up this morning with their mind stayed 
on Jesus that came entering into his gates tonight with thanksgiving and entering into his courts with praise. I mean, do I have anyone in the house that didn't come to be entertained but only came to praise his holy and his righteous name? I mean, do I have anyone in the house that doesn't need an organ, doesn't need a keyboard, doesn't need any drums, doesn't need a praise team, doesn't need a preacher, but all they got to do is think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you and your soul cries out hallelujah no, no, notice if you will fourth part the D clause of that same verse simply says serving the Lord now Pastor Lomax, I don't understand how folks can be unhappy about serving the Lord. How are you not going to get excited about doing the Lord's work? How are you going to be looking all sad like you've been sucking on lemons all day when you're doing the Lord's work? The text tells us serving the Lord. And when we are serving, we ought to have a smile on our faces and a a glow should be over us because we're doing the Lord's work. How can I sing for the Lord and be mad? How can I preach for the Lord and be upset? How can I, how can I? usher for the Lord with no smile on my face? How can I serve the Lord with my face all down? And my brothers and sisters, when we were arrived at Mount Hermon Church about three, a little over three years ago, one of the first people we met was a brother named Brother Fields. Old man, Pastor Lomax, and I asked him what he does, what does he do, and he said anything that needs to be done around here. And so as the days went on, I saw him again, and I asked him to tell me about yourself. And he did. He said, Reverend, I was out there in the streets a long time, and I gave the world a lot of me. But since I've been on the Lord's side, there is never anything that you can't ask me to do. Because out of all the time I gave the world, I've got to give the Lord more time than I gave the world. Because while I was in the world, it was the Lord that was keeping me. And he said, that's why I do what I do. Because the Lord has been better to me than I could have ever been to myself. And maybe there's somebody else in the house besides Brother fields that has that same testimony that knows that they do what they do for the Lord not to get any strokes from the folks not to get any pats on the back not to get any applause but because the Lord has been has been done so much I cannot tell it all do I have anyone in the house that knows without him they could do nothing without him they would fail without him they'd be like a ship without a sail do I have any radical servants that want to serve the Lord with the gladness and was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord do I have any radical servants that serve even when they don't feel like it serve even when they sick serve even when they tired serve even when they don't want to come because you know serving the Lord will pay off after a while I'm almost finished. (laughs) 
Brother Ed, I need you to come. I need, I need two more brothers to come real quick. Just, just two more brothers. Two more brothers. Two more brothers. Y'all stand right there. Face, face congregation. Y'all stand right there. Um, can y'all hook arms with each other? The text tells us, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. And faithful in prayer. Now, I need y'all to stretch out a little bit, but make sure y'all still connected. Thank y'all. We can't be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer apart from each other. In order for me to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, I got to be connected with the other two. Because you can't have one without the other. You can't have joyful in hope without patient in affliction. And you can't have faithful in prayer without patient in affliction and joyful in hope. Now I need one of y'all to get on the ground. Whichever one of y'all decide, I'm turned around. Whichever one of y'all decide, y'all get on the ground, get on the ground. Get on the ground on all fours, on all fours, on all fours. Now, I don't want y'all, yeah, that's all right, go ahead, get on the ground, but I don't need y'all. You can unhook him, but you still got to be connected to him. All right, now, you just put your hand on the shoulder. You can put your hand on the shoulder. I just need him to be on all fours now. Uh, I need three more folks to come real quick, three more sisters, three more sisters. Now, my brother, I need you to brace yourself. I need three more sisters. I need three sisters. One, praise God for the popo. Somebody ought to say amen. Two, I need one more sister, one more for the Holy Ghost. I need one more sister. Thank y'all so much. Now, I need, I need somebody to, to give me their Bible real quick. I need somebody to bring me a Bible. Just bring me a Bible real quick. Just bring me a Bible. Thank you, Sister Ada Paula Wallace. Praise God. The stewards bringing their Bibles to church. Somebody ought to say amen. All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you make sure nobody didn't text me. I'm going to give you my phone. Now, my sister, I need you to come and sit on his back. I need, I need one of you. Come. Brace yourself, my brother. Brace yourself now. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. Just come and sit on his back. Okay? All right? Uh, sister Popo, I need, I need you to do the same thing. I need you to sit. Now, my brother, I just need to ask you, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm asking one more for the son, are you okay? Uh, yeah. Ask you one more time for the Holy Ghost, are you okay? I'm holding on. Pastor Lomax, patient here in the text simply means to remain under the test in a God-honoring manner, not seeking to escape it, 
but eager to learn the lessons it was sent to teach it. I want to say that one more time. Uh, patient here in the text, in, in Greek, is translated, it simply means to remain under the test in a God-honoring manner, not seeking to escape it, but eager to learn the lessons it was sent to teach. Now, my brother, you've got my iPhone, and I got, I got to be honest with you, I ain't got it. I got more than Mahalia Jackson on my iPhone. I got, I got, more, got more than Kirk Franklin on my iPhone. I got little Nicki Minaj on my iPhone. I got a little Rick Ross on my iPhone. I got, I got a little, I got a little, I got a little Lloyd on my iPhone. I got a lot of stuff on my iPhone. But guess what? When you are in a test, Lloyd, Nicki Minaj, and Rick Ross can't help you in those kind of situations. And so the test says that not only you got to be patient, but it also means you got to be faithful in prayer. And so right now, my brother, what you got to do, you're already in the position of prayer. And so all you've got to do is just lift your head and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. You're already in the posture of prayer. So you might as well go ahead and call on your father because he is the only only one huh, that can come and do anything about you. Huh? But you also got a Bible down there. Huh? You also, not only do you got my iPhone, huh, but you got a Bible down there. Huh? And in that Bible, if you turn to Isaiah, huh, Isaiah will tell you that no weapon huh, that's formed against you huh, shall be able to prosper. Huh? If you keep on reading, huh, the psalmist huh, will tell you huh, that I lift up my eyes huh, unto the hills huh, from whence cometh my help huh, because all of my help comes from the Lord. If you turn to Acts, it was at midnight when Paul and Silas was praying and singing praises to God. And then it was around. And it somehow, after they were singing, the jailhouses started to open. And all I'm trying to tell you is that persistent application of strength is not the product of human wisdom or skill, but it's of God's grace. And maybe there's somebody else in the house that's willing to be patient in affliction while being joyful in hope and faithful in prayer. Can you hold until your change comes? Can you wait until God shows up? Can you stay right there until your breakthrough comes? Can you hang in there? Can you not quit? Can you not walk away? Can you not throw in the towel? And at the same time, be prayerful. I mean, do you know how to call on the name of the Lord? I mean, can you do it? Do you know that he will show up. Won't he show up? Won't he do it? He's done it before. Won't he do it? Won't he show up? He say he may not come when you want him but he's always on time. Can you stand right there and wait till your change comes? I'm finished everybody. Thank you my brother. Thank you my brother. Everybody standing on your feet. I'm finished. My brothers and sisters. Can you be faithful in prayer? Can you be persistent? Can you be joyful in hope? 
even while everybody else is getting blessed and you stand in need of a blessing. Pastor Lomax, I preached a sermon a few weeks ago called Conquering the Enemies Called Jealousy. One of the points I said, you can't be jealous and happy at the same time. If you really want to find out that you really care about your friend, can you stand to see them get blessed before you get blessed? You need a blessing. And your girl just paid off all of her debt. You need a blessing. Your partner just retired because he got a big push out the door payment and you still got to go to work every day. Can you stand to see your neighbor get blessed before you get blessed? My brothers and sisters, God is calling each and every one of us, Mount Hermon, the Fountain Church, to be radical for God. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. God, if there's someone here tonight who's not saved.